big trip he's on a world tour much like the house of windsor is in uh the u.s right now yeah he's uh we uh wanted to watch an adam sandler film and so we did it when he was gone <laughs> yeah. like nice uh-huh. ways. although i will say and i'm almost we've never done it like this before but i'm almost tempted to tell iani like don't edit this yet. Put this episode on the back burner until you've seen Uncut Gems, and then you can come back with like a rebuttal. Because I don't want him to. I want to make him watch it. Quite frankly, I like. I want to make him watch Uncut Gems as well, but I just kind of think he won't. <laughs> like, I think, especially since we went through the trouble of recording an episode already, like there's no incentive for him. I mean, we know where he stands <laughs> on the Sandman. Uh, you know, tragically, you know, wrong in the eyes of history, but. You know, we do know where he is. Yeah, we can't, you know, we can't pull him out of that position. All we can do is incrementally talk to him and Mm -hmm. try to talk some sense into him. Yeah, look, when you love someone, you don't give up on them. Yeah, I also feel there's a good chance that Ayani could, I mean, now I'm just putting this idea into his head, but he could stop the editing and, like, insert a rebuttal (laughs) to absolutely anything (laughs) we say this entire time. Yeah. So Yeah, Ayani, maybe, this is just, this is a little behind the scenes, but yeah, maybe just, like, just do some, like, ghost voice Ayani, you know, just place your, use the studio magic to be there live. The people want to hear from you. He's going to insert, like, like armpit fart yeah. noises or just like someone saying wrong in the background you know we'll we'll figure it out um yeah so as you have heard we we watched uncut gems this week um but before we get to that movie um there's a lot there's actually a lot a lot to talk about in the uh, in the front of book section uh, we don't always have tons of news personal jewish or otherwise but this is pretty pretty stacked few weeks in that front oh yeah I got I got one personal thing that's just mm-hmm. from today. Go there. Um I was I was on the bus um from Flatbush to Crown you were Heights. Bussing. I was bussing. <laughs> and a young man um from the Hasidic community came up and asked me to wrap to fill in and I was just feeling loose with <laughs> it and I was like, Let's go, let's do it. Today's the day. T I M F I L just kidding. <laughs> I showed him on my phone on the maps like this is I have to get off in seven stops. Can you do it in seven stops? And he was like, Yeah, he was like this. done. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. This is easy. And I don't know. I don't know why I did it. Part of me, Angie pointed out she thinks I did it just so that I could say I did it on the podcast, mm. which fine. A mitzvah Content is kind of thing. all about but also mitzvahs are kind of just all about doing something to say you did it. That's kind of the whole point of a uh-huh. mitzvah. It's like an Xbox bit. achievement. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. How did you feel when you did it? I felt fine. I felt he was going too fast on the prayers. Not, I mean, he he had to go fast. But like, like you I told didn't him to go fast. The prayers. I did tell him to go oh. fast. I wasn't. I didn't want to miss my stop. I missed it by one. But that's. Fine. <laughs> oh, so you missed um, it for God? For God, yeah. For Hashem, wow. he kept telling me how happy Hashem was going to be. <laughs> which was a little. You gotta know. love the way you. It look. was fine. <laughs> um, it was part of me did it because I like. I wanted uh, maybe this is this isn't the right reason to do it, and maybe I might lose lose mitzvah status. But like, 
I want the other everyone else on that bus has that story now of like, yeah, one time I saw they asked a guy and he did it. He just uh-huh. actually went for it right on the bus. It was unbelievable. Yeah, you're someone's like exceptional example. Yeah. And also, I don't know. I feel like ever since there's there's been an uptick in anti-Semitism, I'm kind of just on the defense and I'm kind of like, yeah, well, in guess, these un- in these unprecedented. Guess times. what? If you think that's weird, you just have to deal with me rapping to mm-hmm. fill in on the bus and we're going to do the prayer out loud. So maybe. Yeah. Maybe be nice to the Jews and we'll cool it a little bit. <laughs> we don't want to see you. You don't want to see us. We'll all just <laughs> aspire to just ignoring each other like normal. Um, there is a one of the most iconic Jews in the news in quite a long time, I think. Um, you know, you're talking about well, because yeah, I mean, you know, what what more is there to say about Kanye? Um, that's not bleedingly obvious, but yeah, I think we should talk about uh, our man Sam Bankman Freed, the lad. The lad. Um, I really, I, um, he was one of those guys who, you know how there are people, especially on social media where you hear a lot about them, but you don't actually know anything about them until you're sort of forced at some, you know, uh, yeah. inflection point to like learn who the fuck these people are. Well, that was, that was me this week. I had heard about this guy for, for background. If you don't know, he's like a crypto boy, wonder genius man, boy from Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. His um, parents are Stanford graduated. professors. His what? parents are Stanford professors. His parents are Stanford professors. Okay. Uh, one's a law professor, which makes it especially ironic what we're about to get into. But <laughs> you know, oh yeah, because he broke he broke. Well, that. he doesn't seem to think he did, but I mean, I don't. Frankly, I don't understand what he did. Oh, I, I know exp- he's I in trouble. Okay, it. can I t- share my take <laughs> before you explain it? Is that I know he's in <laughs> it, trouble. It's a pretty classic. <laughs> I don't understand it, but can I share my take really quick? no i'm not i'm just fucking go on my take is about how i don't understand it but the fact that he's getting in trouble for doing fraudulent things surrounding crypto it's like the dude who gets kicked out of the strip club for being too much of a perv it's like everyone here is a perv so you had to be really doing something you know yeah yeah it's like what could you be doing in the crypto space that's like more fraudulent than crypto itself yeah yeah um Yes. Oh, yeah. By the way, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, Gun High School, um, twenty, class of twenty ten. So well, um, he he also looks like the canonical eleven year old at Jewish summer camp, like Jufro t shirt, really cargo shorts, and like sensible running shoes. He just like he could be he could be like at Yom Sport getting sunburned. Oh, he really he looks like. Yeah, I mean there there's that one meme I sent to the group chat that was like a big who is who's him? It was him and the other Oh, Caroline who's Ellison the other woman? who is part of his polycule in the Bahamas. Oh man. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, they look like the horniest couple at the youth group. Show, yeah, she has the, like the like sort of perennially in. wet looking like Jewish girl at Shabbat hair. <laughs> um they really yeah they really could be experiencing things in the bleachers they look like they'd be at the dance doing the thing where they're like kind of g- grinding and slow dancing at the same time <laughs> <laughs> yeah that really if you're f- familiar with that maneuver like, unfortunately yes yeah so what he did is pretty insane so the company he run he has two companies he's like a normal hedge fund which just invests in crypto companies called alameda and then he has this other company, FTX, which is like basically a giant exchange for cryptocurrency. So sort of like the stock market, but you can just buy and sell different cryptocurrencies. 
Um, he took customers' money from the stock market thing, $10 billion of it, and just sort of loaned it to himself um, at his hedge fund in the form of a fictional currency that he created. <laughs> and then people kind of found out about that. And so then suddenly there was like a run on the bank, more or less, at the stock exchange. Everyone wanted to pull their money out. But he had made such big bets and such bad bets with the hedge fund part of it that like he can't really pay his customers back. And then whenever anyone asks him about it, he's like, oh, you know, I didn't really think I was committing fraud or just like, oh, it was like an accounting error. I don't know how we ended up with like 10 million bucks or 10 billion bucks rather from this one place moving to the other. Like, whoopsie, like, uh, but it's just like, so either he was kind of deluding himself or deluding other people or just really bad at what he was doing. But anyway, like he's given all this money to politicians he like funded this thing called the effective altruism movement he's just like really was selling himself as like the ethical crypto guy but he was just kind of like a he just kind of shit the bed in a huge way that's awesome and he's a it is in a like polyamorous apartment in the bahamas is like where all this is happening well didn't he flee the country when shit started to go down i don't know about that but for Sam Bankman fleed. <laughs> yeah. Also wild that during during this time, this upheaval in anti Semitism, a young a young Jewish man named Sam Bankman Freed, who looks the way he looks, <laughs> is it's just yeah. it's it's quite unfortunate. Yeah. It's kind of funny, like well guess fuck it. Now we will, maybe I won't talk about Kanye again. Like I wanted like, to talk about Kanye. Like, there's such low-hanging fruit for the anti-Semitism with this just, like, guy who is, like, casually, like, actually controlling a financial system and, like, kind of taking people's money and doing underhanded things. But Kanye is like, you know who my real rival is? Ari Emanuel from Entourage. Wait, I don't know if I know. Who's Ari Emanuel? Um, he's one of the characters in Entourage. He's just, like, a big, uh, like, he's a real guy, though. He's a, a big, like, Hollywood agent guy who's also Rahm Emanuel's brother. Um, and so like Kanye was just on Alex Jones recently and um, was like ranting against like all the Jews in Hollywood who he feels have screwed him over and he's like at some point he said something he was like you hear that Ari Emanuel like it's like did you did you watch the whole uh, Alex Jones um, no I've seen some clips of it not the not the whole thing yeah same it, it it came out today as we're recording. We keep saying we're not going to do Kanye stuff, but I don't care. I honestly, I don't care. It's he's putting on a show for us. I'm watching it. We're doing after like, I mean, fuck him, obviously, but yeah. To leave, as someone on Twitter said, like to leave Alex Jones speechless is, <laughs> is really something. Yeah, yeah, or like them being like, oh, cut, like go to commercial, like he's pressing Hitler. Yeah, it's very goofy. I don't know. He's just. And he like he's like dressed like Deadpool, like he's just like being an epic irony. Yeah, maybe there maybe we sh- there's nothing for us to say. He sucks. Yeah, he's being a dumb edge lord shithead. Yeah, yeah, and I I suppose my only point that I would add on this, and I've honestly been considering writing about it, is like what he's saying is outrageous, but it's not that far out of bounds. But from what like a lot far more mainstream people on the right do every day and they're they've welcomed these people into the fold knowing full well that this is kind of 
the road where it leads, and they're just happy to let someone else go all the way there. Yeah, I would you say know, that's... like I think they're kind of getting what they wanted in a certain sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Or at least they're getting what they should have expected. And then the the little Nick Fuentes sidekick. I've I, I knew about this boy. <laughs> I knew about this boy before, but the way he's like now hit like the Robin to Kanye's Batman. Yeah, is very. He's just kind of always there. Uh-huh. That one picture at the hibachi restaurant. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about. Someone sent it to me and zoomed in on um, the boots he's wearing. Did you see them? They're like no, what little are they? pointy prince boots, but like also made out of like rain boot material. So they're just these like weird, gigantic, pointy rubber boots. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks so dead inside in the photo, too. Yeah. Well, anyway, good freaking riddance. Yeah, he's I mean, not going anywhere. Yeah, I am. I really do wonder what it, what like what's next for like where do you go once you're this guy? Everyone's just I don't know beyond he's, like into a yell at him. Yeah, and he's gonna go back to his house. It's he's like fucking Bojack Horseman or something. Mm-hmm. He's just like this like sad figure that is everyone gets mad at, but then. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't that well thought out. But he is. I think he's kind of BoJack Horseman. I've never seen that show, but I, I'm sure you know. Basically, he's really famous, but he acts like a jackass, and people get mad at him. Uh-huh. I think Kanye's just addicted to having people get mad at him. Yeah. Which I, I've tasted the sweet nectar of that as well, and it's I get it, but you can't, can't make everyone that mad at you all the time, or else. Yeah. There's nobody left. To, to get mad you have to be able to reel it back so then people like you again and then make them mad again that's the pretty much i mean he's always been like kind of a wacky like he's he's like always been like somewhat hotepish <laughs> you know oh yeah wait okay speaking of of to to, to jump back uh a few a few steps speaking of what are they going to do next what's the next move for mr sbf um what's this what's this what's this guy gonna do well apparently he's like mostly out of money i saw some headline recently that he's down to a hundred grand but i mean i don't know a hundred grand yeah oh wow and this was after being a billionaire so you know yeah, lost a lot um have you seen that text exchange of with him and elon musk no <laughs> it's like him texting elon musk and being like just having all these business ideas and being like, yeah, like I have like a hundred million that I could put on this or this, blah, blah, blah. And then Elon Musk is just like, I'm sorry, who is this texting me? <laughs> That's pretty funny. And he also like, he, he hits Elon with a no worries if not type of oh, thing, uh-huh. which is just so funny for someone with that type of net worth to be like, yeah. all good if you can't, no worries. Do you Mr. know about uh, his thing with effective altruism? Or like, do you know what that is? Not really. So he is, like, one of the principal funders of this, basically, this, like, philosophical movement of all these guys who are, like, committed to doing something somewhat charitable, but, like, using data and stats or whatever to find, like, what's the absolute most effective way to do good with this amount of money is, like, a pretty simplified way of doing it. And they've all decided that, basically, like, if you game it all out, like, super sentient AI is like stopping that from like taking over the world is the most important thing they can do because it'll save like humanity a million years from now. It like gets like very esoteric and wacky. 
But anyway, the whole idea is like, you know, do the most good for the most people, be super smart about it. And like the guy funding it was someone who's like, whoopsie. <laughs> like, Yeah, but I feel like if you're if you can justify everything you're doing by being like, actually, we're fighting robots 100 million years <laughs> in the future, then like what's 10 billion dollars stolen from? I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is the warning signs were there. If someone's like, I can predict the future 10 million years from now. And like, this is why I'm spending all this money doing this thing. <laughs> like, I don't know. That's the other beautiful thing about this is that, like, in so many of these kinds of cases, he only stole from what? Just, like, some, like, random crypto investors and shit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wonder... So it's kind I of just fun, what, fun for the whole family. Yeah, true. I do wonder what's the balance of, like, you know, whatever super-duper rich investor types to just, like, random people who are, like, I'm putting, you know, my savings into this. But I don't know. Don't invest in fake money if you don't want fake things to happen. Yeah. You know, I feel like it kind of ties in with our with our feature. I kind of think so too. I mean, he was like a dude, he was a, he was like a wheeler dealer and he's also just like a kind of a singular like weirdo. Like he apparently would just like walk around before he did his company that he's known for. He just like worked on Wall Street and he would just like walk around in his socks. That was like another of his calling cards. Like he was this just kind of like unkempt odd yeah. guy. Looks bad. Looks bad. Um, <laughs> looks like dog apparently shit. it was kind of just like thought he was so smart that he was sort of rude in certain senses like when he got all these money from venture capital firms he would like be playing video games during the meetings where he was asking them for money again like i love that yeah like kind of a power <laughs> move <laughs> i love just yeah making vcs watch you play donkey kong yeah what a fucker that's yeah great. so anyway so he's a a singular fellow um, but yeah, Uncut Gems. We watched it. I, I, you'd seen it before, right? Yes, as had you. I had, yeah. Um, I uh, yeah. I yeah. Jo- it was Josh's suggestion. I, uh, from being honest, I was I was weary just because I'm like all I remember about this movie is that it's fucking dope, and I don't know how much how hot of a take I'm gonna have uh-huh. on a movie that's just sick. Yeah. Um, but I'd say it's fair. I'd say. I don't know. We always – one thing that we go back to a lot is the fact that first we were reading the Torah, right? And then mm-hmm. we kind of got bored of that. And so now we're switching back and forth between reading the Torah and like random Jewish pieces of media, right? And so I kind of have come to look at it as like we're going back and forth between like the original things that Jews were supposed to read and then like the things that were – now we now use to like fill in our time and attention mm-hmm. because the original ones suck. Yeah. So yeah, what I mean, I could tell you why I chose. The, I mean, I chose the movie because it's like exceptionally Jewish in the scheme of popular movies. Like every almost every character is Jewish. Uh, Adam Sandler is the star. It's about the Diamond District and like a jewelry dealer guy. Um, his family's Jewish. There's like. A lot of the people are the real people who actually work in the Diamond District. Um, And it's also kind of like he's a fucking huckster who's like screwing people over and greedy and like running wild. So it's sort of an interesting there's some interesting questions that I've seen in the like reviews about it, about, you know, Jewish representation. Is it good for the Jews, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. All right. Um, I guess we should also say that uh, I at least would like to discuss the ending. So. If uh, if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet, 
go watch it. Shield your yeah. I, I guess I could give a quick little plot summary. Sure. Is his last name Ratner, by the way, in the movie? Howard? Yeah, it's Howard Ratner. Yes, okay. Howard Ratner, a.k.a. Howie Bling, is a uh, Jewish diamond dealer who has a a showroom in the Diamond District in Manhattan. Um, He's addicted to sports gambling. He's always, like, running all over town with money and swapping diamonds for cash and making sports bets and winning and losing tons of money at a time. Um, And the movie opens on him. He's just finagled his way into getting an opal um, from a mine in Ethiopia, like this gigantic opal that he, like, thinks, though it's not even clear if this is true, was, like, mined by these this small group of Ethiopian Jews. Um, and so he has this, like, you know, Jewish connection moment with this giant, like, really singular kind of stone. He brings it over to the U.S., and he's, like, going to try and sell it for all this money, um, one day Kevin Garnett, the actual NBA player from the Celtics comes in and like sees the stone and has this kind of powerful reaction to it. And it's like, Oh, you know, it's the stone from Africa. Like, let me just borrow it or let me buy it. He, he plays an amazing game. Howard bets on Kevin Garnett playing an amazing game. And, and then just like the plot is really thorny, but basically like Howard owes everyone money. He's always betting people's money on sports. Like, it just keeps escalating. He keeps being in more and more danger from the mob who is also like his brother-in-law. Um, yeah. And it's just him like running all over town, trying to like cash out really before he just dies. Running around <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. I mean, the movie's like pretty, the first time I remember seeing it, I remember just being like, I was fucking stressed. <laughs> like I just, my oh, pulse yeah, was up stressful. the whole time I was watching this thing. Um, I guess, yeah, this is a thought that I had that, like, uh, kind of linked, like, the SBF stuff with Mm -hmm. this. But it's funny to take, like, the classic, like, neuroses that Jews classically have about, like, anything. About, like, an awkward social (laughs) interaction. But then heighten it by, like, giving it actual stakes. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, like, that's, like, why Howard Ratner is such a crazy character because he's, like – already such a neurotic mess and then that and then he also somehow has a gambling addiction so like (laughs) everything he's worried about like he should be very worried about (laughs) yeah yeah that's a good point so sad and so fucked up totally yeah so it's sort of like says himself is it um you know is it like oh he's just another neurotic jew in a movie or is he like an actual just a normal guy who's in over his head like i don't know i think the movie does a lot of interesting stuff like that where like depending on almost what lens you want to bring to it initially, you could either be like, that's like a classic Jewish trope or like, this is kind of this interesting, almost like post Jewish movie where he's just like, it's kind of just a normal crime movie that happens to be super duper Jewish in terms of who's in it. Um, Another thing I thought was pretty interesting is like the movie is like really about the relationship between like black people and Jews in New York and like just big cities in general, kind of culturally, like, Howard is obsessed with the NBA. His son is like a classic, like, you know, chubby little 13 year old with a chain with like tons of basketball memorabilia. Um, He like a lot of his customers are like rappers, guys, you know, he he calls himself Howie Bling. Like he's consciously trying to tie himself to like hip hop, ball players, like black culture more broadly. Yeah, he has like the NBA rings. They're, those are like very important. Yeah, yeah. He walks around with an NBA Knicks like championship ring, um, which I thought like 
in addition to all the just like analysis you could do, I did just think that's an accurate kind of thing. Like, I feel like there are a lot of like city Jews out there who are like hyper obsessed with sports, obsessed with hip hop. Like, I mean, I'm even just thinking about us at summer camp, like moshing to walk a flock of flame as 13 year olds. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. You know? we we're... Yeah. That's like a real connection there. I think just by like how urban most of Jewish life is like. Because that's what that's the other. That's another funny thing about the character Howie is that it's not just that he's worried about like getting all his money back and like making sure all of his bets land and like he's like doing all this shady shit. But he also needs you to like him. Oh, yeah. So much, especially the black characters. He, like, needs them to like him and think he's cool. Yeah, and, like, he is this guy, Damani, who's played um, by Lakeith Stanfield, who's, like, sort of this fixer who, like, knows hip-hop guys, no athletes, brings him in to the store and, like, takes a cut of it. Um, and, like, at one point, like, he just says, why are Jews so obsessed with basketball? Or And he's just is always kind of dissing Howard. He's always, like, he calls him, like, a crazy-ass Jew at one point. Like, it's kind of this uneasy relationship where they're, like, both clearly getting something out of it, but, like, he thinks he's also like hugely corny. Yeah, which he is. He is. No, he like totally is. And his his accent in the movie is like outrageous. <laughs> I don't know. It's like very nasally. Like I don't know if it's like accurate exactly, but it definitely is an interesting choice. So I was like, "Oh, Howie, oh, how you doing, baby?" <laughs> like, I don't know. Wait, who's whose voice? Howie's yeah. voice. You know, this movie, I would say, is, like, a neutral to slightly positive portrayal in the sense that, like, there's this kind of mutual cultural interest happening, or at least, like, a genuine relationship. Like, there's a history there, people living together, kind of their culture's meshing. That's what happens in cities. I think it's cool. Whereas, like, in the outside world right now, you're seeing the sort of unpleasant version of that, which is, like, you know, lots of exploitation happens in America between different groups, and, like, you're seeing a lot of really prominent or not a lot, but like a couple prominent black celebrities like Kyrie Irving, the NBA player and and Kanye, like being really anti-Semitic. It, like they're obviously not informed, but like that anti-Semitism has like a distant root in like actual exploitation of black people that happened to be done by some Jewish people, you know, just because there were like Jewish landlords and big cities and like that did happen. Yeah. But I also feel like, and this is maybe like a, an iffy point to be making, but it's like the people who are accusing Jews of being like slimy and greedy and conniving. It, like, yeah, if you're only hanging out in like the diamond district, you're only going to meet the like <laughs> slimy <laughs> conniving Jews. Like, You got to expand your horizons if you want to meet the cool ones. I don't know. Yeah. Or like also, you know, some of the, some of the, tropes being offered are like oh you know it's like all these like kind of as you said like oh these slimy conniving jews in hollywood but it's like oh yeah you mean like entertainment executives are kind of sleazebags like <laughs> you know people are trying to rip each other off for money it's like it's not because they're jewish it's because they're in hollywood <laughs> oh yeah you totally know? <laughs> there's a pretty good scene or like a decent amount of the movie happens at their seder <laughs> there's yeah there's a, a or like a solid solid, solid chunk there you kind of learn that the family, they seem like they're probably Persian Jews. Um, the Safdies are, have some Syrian roots. One very unfortunate decision. The Safdies, amazing filmmakers, um, great movie. The, the Seder scene, they did cast um, the fat Jew. Oh, which, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a shock. Are you familiar? I, <laughs> Just yeah. a, I don't know why they needed like a 
dishonest content aggregator <laughs> to be in their film, but you know, if you're not familiar. The fat Jew is just a guy who stole memes and did got rich and, and like got rich somehow. And when people, anytime anyone got mad at him, he was like, "Well, I'm just trying to like blow your shit up, bro." So he was like in was the in Vice the... universe of like he was like a character in the like New York hipster world for a while. Okay. That, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and they seem like the kind of guys who would just like put their friends in the movie. Well, I don't know why they're friends with the fans. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Yeah, I feel like this movie is just, I mean, I know most movies are full of little scenes, but like this movie is kind of just a bunch of little little just shit happening to this one guy until it all blows up. At the it end. is like one continuous argument or like, don't worry, I got this. Kind of, like it's just sort of an escalating, just sort of blow up. I don't know. I'm trying. I wonder if there's anything interesting to talk about with like him and his wife. Yeah, I would say so. Um, his wife is played by the wickedly Dina talented. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, and I feel like she, their relationship is maybe like one half of the annoying Jewish wife, like Shiksa girlfriend binary, perhaps. But yeah. in this case, at the very I mean, least, they're... like she has plenty of good reason to hate this guy. Like. Uh huh. Like she doesn't despise him because she's a Jewish lady. I, it, you know, that's not the way it's played. It's more like she despises him because he's despicable. <laughs> yeah, he's awful. He sucks. Yeah. At one point, she he's, just I like mean, he's. It's oh my god! It's a pretty actually one of my favorite sequences. Like what when she has the dress? Yeah. Like so, it's at the seder scene. He's just like you know, she's just kind of in the middle of the chaos still, and like. Meanwhile, all the women in the house, like, his wife, like, she still fits into her bat mitzvah dress. It's, like, this joyful scene. He's, like, seeing it and getting kind of emotional. And he's sort of like, you know, should we give this marriage, like, another shot? You know, maybe after Passover. And she goes, you're the most annoying person I've ever met. <laughs> it's just, like, it's so devastating. But she's... She hates him so but much. But she's right. He like, offers He offers to, like, he's like, you can punch me. And she's like, I don't even want to touch you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty, like, scorching portrayal of a male. Brutal. Yeah. Wait, okay. One clarifying thing that I didn't quite get. in When he's at the Passover Seder, mm-hmm. his Julia Fox texts him, like, a Craigslist listing? Yeah. What's that about? Like, maybe they want to get an apartment together? Is that what I it is? So. Okay. Because then, because the next scene is that her, the apartment, he was letting her live in the apartment, mm-hmm. right? He owns some apartment. Yeah, in the city. In Manhattan, yeah, he was like letting her live in there. Letting Julia Fox, who plays his mistress, who's like much younger, and it's unclear whether she's like actually interested in him, at least for a while. I don't. I mean, it, I disagree. She gets his name. Her name. His name tattooed on her. Yeah. Body. No. At the beginning, you you question like, does she actually like this guy, or is she just kind of a hanger on? Yeah. But then she's like, oh, kind of tragically, she's actually like very in love with him. There's the scene after the seder where they. He has to stop at the apartment to get something. Even though he has nothing to get, he, like, wants to check and see if she's there. Yeah. And then the guy from the TV show Good Times is in the movie for a couple seconds just <laughs> yeah. telling his kid that he can't take a shit in his apartment, yeah. which is very funny. Uh-huh. We could talk about the uh, this is how I win scene. That's another big one in the movie. Yeah. That scene. I mean, you were talking about, like, the Jewish-black relations thing. Yeah. That scene is kind of the most telling of Well, that, I think it's where... kind of the pivotal scene of the movie where it's just, like, so in the scene, the big opal that Howard has gotten all the way from Africa, like it finally reaches auction, but it doesn't fetch a great price. So he starts to basically like bid against it himself against Kevin Garnett. 
to like just drive up the auction price using his uncle to or he like he like has his buddy do yeah. it. Yeah. Um and then like eventually he and Kevin Garnett like meet up again and he's like, What the fuck are you doing, man? Like why are you like you're always running these schemes on me? Like it's always so weird. Like you're bidding against yourself, against me. Like I already tried to buy this from you. Like, what the fuck? And he basically is just like this is like my version of winning, you know, you, cause Kevin Garnett, like for people who are NBA people is like really famous for being so competitive. Like, you know, his team would already be up and he would just be like dropping points on people. Or he'd like, would just tell people really awful things to get inside their head, just like blowing on their face and saying like, I oh, fucked Jesse? your wife. Yeah. Like he was like a maniac. He oh, was I so competitive. Yeah. And so he, you know, that's kind of the point is, that's the point Howard's trying to make is like, you're this like competitive psycho basically. And like, so am I. And like, we're all just playing the game and like me making money on diamonds yeah. well, cause is how I win. Well, because Kevin Garnett calls him out and is like, like, how much should you buy this for? And he's like, I would rather not say, but like a hundred thousand. And he's like, okay, like, so you paid a bunch of Ethiopians a hundred thousand for right some shit you were going to sell for a million. Like, isn't that kind of fucked up? And then. Howard's like, hey, come on, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm having a good time. Totally, and like at the end of the day, it's like you know Kevin Garnett. The first scene in the movie is, or one of the first scenes is like him rolling up to this jewelry shop with these huge diamond earrings that he gets polished. It's like, okay, it's like where do those diamonds come from? You know, it's like I don't know. It, it it's like he doesn't have that much of a, a case himself. Yeah, right. It's just kind of like. My read on it all is like it's sort of a a portrait of just like capitalism in a general sense in that just like everyone's trying to screw over everyone and it's just kind of like winner take all. And just that like also in the more specific cultural sense, like, you know, all these different groups have this long history with each other. But also at the end of the day, like people kind of just want to make money and like, I don't know, it sort of transcends like, oh, you know. Jews exploiting black people, black Americans exploiting black Africans, Jews exploiting black Africans. It's kind of just like people fucking over everyone because like that's what happens when cash rules everything. Another really interesting part about this movie is that so the the, the pivotal like the last scene is right after that meeting between Howie and KD. KG. KD is a different guy. KG. Oh, that's true. Okay. Right after this meeting, um, how he's like this is how i win and he's going all crazy and he's like so like you're gonna fucking put up a bunch of like he's just like kind of talking like he's all coked out even though he's not yeah because kevin garnett is just giving him 175 grand to buy the opal finally so now he has all this money again he's like you're gonna fucking play your ass off i'm gonna bet all this money on you winning Uh uh-huh and then he like sends julia fox off to the casino to bet all this money which is kind of funny (laughs) It's very, yeah. He like sent her in a helicopter. Yeah, it's really Mohegan stupid. Sun. Um, and he has all these dudes that like want that he owes money are like trapped in his jewelry store, and he's like they're like kind of trapped in this other se- section, and he's like making them watch the game. But the game is it's like this whole movie is kind of based off of this one game, not really, but it's like this kind of all written around this one game from 2012. Where KG did a lot of really good points. Yeah, Am I, do I yeah, have that yeah. it was just like it was during, I think, the playoffs, and he was just was playing really well. So, he like, wrote the movie almost backwards to like a, an actual time where 
if this had happened, this guy would have made a shitload of money on this game. What was your point about that? Oh no, I just think it was. I just think it's really interesting that like they they kind of wrote the whole movie around this one game. I mean, they didn't, but they mm-hmm. like the pivotal scene is they're you're like they're like interspersed. It's interspersed with like clips from a game that actually happened. Yeah, no, genre wise is pretty creative. Like, how integrated into the truth it is for a fake movie is kind of interesting. I mean, it's just like something like oh, mm-hmm. you're clearly it's like such a sports fan mm-hmm. thing. Where, like, so many people could watch that movie and not even give a shit that it's based on a real game, myself included, but, like... Oh, that's kind of a funny... So, apparently, both the Safdies are, like, basketball obsessives, which is not super shocking if you see this movie, but they, um... (laughs) Like, I read in some article one time that uh, they met Spike Lee, who is, you know, also a New York guy, also really, like, famously into basketball. And apparently, Spike Lee was kind of expecting them to, like, chop it up and talk about movies, but they were just, like, these huge dorks and we were like do you want to talk about the 1970 new york knicks <laughs> That's funny. yeah like they're kind of like just like kind of dweeby guys in real life yeah is one of them in the are they in the movie at all um they're sometimes in their movies but i don't think they're in this one one of them acts i think okay. benny one of them's in um yes. licorice pizza that's yeah. right pretty good actor actually um or like good for a director i feel like well, I want to talk about the ending oh, because yeah. having watched this this movie the second time, the first time I ever watched this movie, I kept I kept thinking like, why doesn't someone just kill him? Someone <laughs> yeah. should. He's he's clearly doing things that would get somebody killed. Someone's going to kill this guy eventually, and then that's what happens. He gets killed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I guess I like we we grew up on such like sappy disney shit that like it's kind of refreshing to see a movie end with just the protagonist getting shot in the head yeah it's kind of just it's kind of just put a big smile i remember put a big smile on my face the first time i saw it i was like "Ah, that motherfucker's dead (laughs) yeah well and i think it kind of gets to the this is how i win point because like eventually like the thug guys they're gonna get their money back and probably more because howard just made this big bet and won but they're just so pissed off and they're just so like tired of dealing with this guy that they just kill him and rob his store and like you know that's probably going to create this like world of trouble for them but like that's how they win is you know by like not having people fuck with them yeah no totally you know, it's just like this kind of brutal cycle. and it's just it's just so that scene is so funny because he's like the bet he put all this money on that he owed other people he put it on on the game this game and on Kiji and now he's like watching his he's like watching it with them and he's like wants them to be excited but it's like it's just a such fundamental misunderstanding of like they're not you're not even on the same wavelengths at all yeah like you're not they're not upset they're not gonna like not be upset with you because <laughs> yeah. you won after yeah he's locked them it's not even in another room it's like in the space between two security doors that he can lock because it's like a jewelry store like special door and so they're just like sweating in this tiny room while he's like just screaming like sitting the on the TV. ground next to the elevator yeah <clears throat> oh um oh i just had a bit of history on why there are jews in the diamond district in the first place which, uh, as many things in Jewish history do, we got to go all the way back to the Spanish Inquisition um, and, like, just other times where Jews were expelled. So because the Catholic Church, you know, at certain points in its history, in certain ways, uh, considered, like, money-making and kind of certain forms of commerce to be sinful, 
Um, and there was also rampant anti-Semitism. You know, Jews in medieval Europe could only do certain jobs. Um, so as a result, you ended up having a lot of Jews in the diamond business because, you know, that was associated kind of with sinful and like, um, you know, maybe vanity or something else that the church might not like ostensibly, even though, you know, we all know what the Catholic church is like. Um, and so then when Jews were expelled from places like Spain, they ended up in Belgium and like Antwerp in particular is a big diamond hub. Um, and then, you know, Belgium, global colonizer in the Congo, where there are diamond mines. As a result, you get a lot of Jews working in diamonds in Belgium. World War II comes around. Uh, a lot of just Jews die in Belgium, but then the ones who fled, you know, took their trade with them to New York. And then that's how you get a lot of like really old world uh, Orthodox Jews working in the diamond business. Like it feels like kind of a strange pairing but like apparently kind of to this day if you're in that part of the city like people are speaking yiddish like all these business practices are kind of jewish in the sense that like so much of it is happening within the orthodox jewish community that there's kind of a level of trust about like oh you know i'll pawn this ring for you for a week like you hold my diamonds for a week like Diamonds are like a perfect commodity to steal and like they're universally valuable. So like people could kind of constantly be ripping each other off probably more than they do. They're easy to hide in your pocket, you know, but they don't because it's like all Jews dealing with Jews in certain parts of it. Um, I, I got some fun terms from the uh, like Yiddish diamond guy terms. Oh, hit me. Um, okay. Um, uh, a shitty pack of diamonds um, is called a lynx stivel which means uh, left-footed boots. Um, if you have a really big and impressive diamond that, like, makes everything else look really good, it's called a schwimmer, which is just, like, a swimmer. <laughs> like, hey, look at that swimmer. <laughs> um, this one, I think, is my favorite. It's for, a, like, just a big-ass diamond. Um, it's called a mama zitzer, which is just a mother sitter. Like, it just sits on a mother. Sure. Um, I had a friend... Her mom grew up in in the South, and um, she had this, like, when I was starting to, like, talk about getting engaged with Lana and stuff, she was talking about, like, picking an engagement ring um, and how, like, you know, down in Texas, there's this idea of a 10-tabler, which is a diamond ring you can see from 10 tables away. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, that's just, like, the Yiddish version of a 10-tabler is a mama zitzer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I guess it's it's also just, like... I don't know how much of a point I even have to make here, but it's like, yeah, of course that's who's involved in the diamond business is a lot. Like, of course there's going to be shady, slimy fucks mm -hmm. in like the business of like shiny, expensive diamonds. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have that much of a yeah. point there. You know, I to to it's build just... on that, I, I read it in some interesting reviews from, um, I mentioned his writing every now and then on the show, but uh, Noah Cullen, former colleague, uh, he's now a podcaster at uh, Blowback, but, you know, interesting guy, good writer, uh, member of the tribe. Um, he had a review of this movie that I thought was kind of interesting where it was talking about how even in whatever, 2019, when this movie was made, like the diamond business is this kind of weird old world thing. Like, And his point was kind of just that the movie is in this kind of liminal space where it's like it's like all these jews but they're sort of like very americanized and they're obsessed with the nba and they're like not that religious um so on the one hand it's like they're pretty much fully assimilated but then they're in this weird like old world trade where everyone's calling each other booby and it's like a bunch of jews like 
you know, bartering on the street for like little rocks in their velvet pouches, which could have been happening like, <laughs> you know, forever ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just this interesting, like in between space. Um, and also how like there are basically no, and this, I'm now that I'm thinking about this might actually be the Jewish currents review, not the Noah review. But anyway, these are some interesting ideas I heard about it. Where like, there's no, there's basically no like mainstream American white people in the movie. It's like, black people jews russians armenians but like no like fully just like garden variety white people like it's this interesting like what about the guy who actually does end up letting his son take a shit in the house or he oh. doesn't think it's gonna be shit he thinks it's <laughs> yeah maybe that guy <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. It. but you know it's like this weird outskirts of like everyone in the movie has money but the, like no one is like fully uh you know like wasp They're like traders or athletes or musicians or whatever it is. There's also just so many little – there's so many tiny little choices in this movie that that have like don't for – don't do anything for the plot really. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of like little ambiance things. Like I don't know. There's the scene where he goes and he's at his daughter's play and then like those mobster guys like – he meets them outside and they kick his ass and he's in the trunk. But then he's like back in the play and there's like – What's happening on the stage is like some goblins or whatever are like, we're now going to make it so that like gold comes out of your mouth. And then like his daughter like opens her mouth on the stage and like gold comes pouring. It's just like weird little like. Well, I thought that scene was, was a fairly, choice somebody made. I don't know. I, I like wouldn't put it past them that they're like nodding at, you know, old Jewish tropes in a sense. Yeah, no, I guess the so. Sathies are Jewish too, by the way. That I said. Like, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. medieval villager coins flying out of her mouth diamond trader dad but it's also like yeah yeah, i don't know i i i appreciate that they like they're working from such a place of specificity that there's like all this stuff like that happening but what they're saying is also not that obvious and kind of ambiguous in like a interesting way like because it's not i don't know if it's exactly saying anything about like jewishness but it's just like a very jewish movie that where a lot of particular things happen which i kind of think is like more interesting some of the time than like art that's really trying to make some like big clear moral point to being like you know stereotypes are bad or something like that would not be an interesting movie right like if he was actually like the one honest jew or whatever like i don't know like the one honest yeah jew. like they're not trying <laughs> to correct for any stereotypes they're basically just sort of like he intersects with some, he challenges some others, yeah. and it kind of doesn't fucking But then it's matter. also like, it's not like the way in which he's greedy is like singularly Jewish. It like is, it's, it very much plays into the way that American society is obsessed with like gambling, yeah. and like tr- winning. Totally. And, uh, totally. And I also just feel like it's like a pretty good picture of just like insane sports fandom. Like, these kind of loser middle-aged men who are like literally willing to risk life and death for the sake of like what other people are doing when playing sports, you know, it's like a super cartoon version, but at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, also don't let sports like rule your brain. Right. It's funny. Cause there's, yeah, there's like people all over or in any fandom of, <laughs> they're not called fandoms when it's, <laughs> when it's sports, but <laughs> always, yeah. They're like K-pop fandom. People who are like basketball fandom. People who are like, if Kevin Garnett does not 
like score this much tonight, like I'm gonna fucking die. <laughs> but then to be able to like actually say that to his face, mm-hmm. like that's unique to Mr. Howard. Yeah, no, totally. And the, the other interesting thing is like up until you know he gets shot in the face, like Howard is kind of a winner in a fucked up way. Like he's a nice house on Long Island. He drives a Mercedes. He's a s- secret apartment, and like. I was reading about this in like uh, a beautiful wife who hates a beautiful his guts. wife who hates his like... guts. Yeah, <laughs> his um his like mistress bachelor pad is like filled. I was reading, I think it was in GQ. Like the furniture in there is all like every couch looks like some horrible like eighty spaceship, and it's like eighty thousand dollars. It's just like he's living this like <laughs> insane coked out like eighties version of success, kind of. Right. You know, where he has like little gold frame glasses and like his big ass ring, and like it's like a almost like a child's version of what you would do if you were like a rich and daring man. Mm-hmm. But he's so sad. He's so fucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys should all watch it's it. Movie. It's so good. It's very like a lot of memes about it too. Like, a lot oh, of I meme mean, bait. yeah, it's a lot of meme bait. We're we're not immune. We posted yeah, one. That's true. Um, oh, here's a quote. I mean, this is more like for the people who watched already, but do you think, um, like, do you think she took the money and ran at the end? Because, like, Uh-oh. you know, Julia Fox's character, she collects the big bet, doesn't really know that Howard died. No, I mean, she took, she takes it back to Howard, and then once she sees that Howard's dead, I think, I don't know if she has it in her to run. I think she's just a mess. Really? I th- I don't know. I, she's kind of the only person who actually wins, in a sense, because like no one knows who she is. She's just this like woman. Yeah, but she loves Howard. Yeah, she I guess does. she does. <laughs> she like really does. Yeah. I feel like they really yeah. hate that. So I mean, yeah, the, the end of the movie is we see the creepy, the creepiest old man in the whole world. <laughs> which, bravo to him. He really. Oh uh, yeah, that dude's uh, like a nut job. Wayne Diamond is his name. Super tan. You see it. He's like, a, is he a Diamond District guy? Is he like one of those guys that the Sapphire He was found? like, a, I think he like owned a department store. Like he was like a New York kind of like fashion garment guy, I think. But it's just like this like weird relic with like long white hair and like a really fucked up tan skin. <laughs> he like looks hey, like baby. a he looks like a leather bag. <laughs> yeah, he really does. He looks like a like bag where you put your golf. And his gloves. whole role is kind of like just sort of harassing Julia Fox. But then she sees that the guys are there that, like, want to kill her. So she's like, I guess I'm just going to go to this guy's apartment. Yeah, like, hide out. I'll have him collect the cash for me. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a good question. What does she do? What's her next move? Yeah, I mean, she shows up. She probably shows up back to the diamond store and sees what happened, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, and she's. A, I think she's a photographer, like a music photographer. There's kind of a subplot about her like taking pictures of the weekend and it causing strife in her and uh, Howard's relationship. Um, so I don't know. Maybe she like goes on and you know does her photography business. Who knows? Oh, and then yeah, and then an interesting like meta meta sequel to what's happening is then like Julia Fox was like in real life kind of had this like fake tabloid relationship with Kanye West. <laughs> That's a move. Well, she said, <laughs> "Ayani's gonna be so nervous <laughs> talking about." <laughs> tabloid gossip but she said that she dated kanye west so that he would leave kim kardashian alone. what but that's also just she like made some video where, where she's uh-huh. like i had a strategy <laughs> and my strategy was i don't know that's funny she's guy like yeah, her me too. she like 
this she kind of blew up from this movie. Yeah, right? well, and apparently when they cast her, it's because she was kind of essentially this person in real life. Like, there's a scene in the movie where she throws herself in front of a taxi cab in the middle of a fight with Howard to, like, get him not to drive away and is, like, kind of screaming in the street as a whole line of people at a club are watching this. And apparently that has happened to her multiple times in real life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a... Uh... Yeah, it's like a movie of oh. just, like, fucking maniacs who exist in real life. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's good. A good movie. I miss Ayani. I feel like Ayani would have something to say. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to... The whole time I was like, would Ayani have... How would I? How would he even tear this film down? What would That's he That's true. Even... Oh, this is a fun game. What would Ayani say? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he would have... He would just... Be, I feel like he would just be watching it, like, talking to Howard Radner, be like, why the fuck are you... Wait, <laughs> just give him the fucking money. Just... He, just give him the watch. Who gives a fuck? He would just I feel like he'd just be like, gambling is fucking stupid. <laughs> Maybe, but I also feel like Ayane could be really... I mean, sports gambling he uh-huh. would think is stupid for sure. I feel like he's only into gambling on like... He did tell us that story cards. once of like, he was at some bar and then in the back there was like a Chinese gambling den and then he like looked over at them and they all stopped what they were doing. Did I imagine that? Did he actually tell us about that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure he did. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> just like somewhere in like San Francisco. I think Ayane would would also – that's what we – by not seeing this, what he missed out on is getting to watch Adam Sandler shot in the head. Yeah. Which uh-huh. – that might be a big selling point for him. I mean maybe, maybe Ayane, if you're listening to this while you're editing it, maybe just go find the movie. Skip to the <laughs> yeah, end, just watch, watch Adam the Sandler end. get shot in the head. I mean – and then in an interesting sense like – Everyone watching this movie was like, man, like, you know, Adam Sandler can actually really fucking act. Like, every, you know, like, 15 years, he makes, like, one good movie. It's kind of funny because, like, he's sort of aware of that. And, like, in all the awards buzz, like, people thought he might, like, get an Oscar nom, whatever. He didn't. He was like, you know, this is what you get, fuckers. Like, I'm never going to make another movie again. He pretty much more or less said that explicitly. <laughs> he's he's made movies since then, has he not? Yeah, but he's like, I'm not going to make a good movie again. Okay. <laughs> He also didn't make. I mean, he, as much as I love the Sandman, this this was not a happy Madison production. This no, a, they did write the movie, the part for him, though, from what I understand. Like they were trying to get him to be him, be in the movie for like a long time. Yeah, I don't have much more to say other than it's like it's a good movie. Um, I think it's like it's all it's a good movie. It's a good movie about Jewish people. It's a good movie about bad. It's Jewish a good movie people. about bad Jewish people. Um, and yeah, and it's uh. It's a hell of a ride. God, I can't wait till that Sam Bankman Freed biopic comes out. It's not. It's not in production yet. I feel like they're gonna get um fucking Jesse Eisinger. I think he'd do a great job. I was gonna job. say <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg would. He does. It. He does have a. I mean, he played the hell out of Mark Zuckerberg, another you know scheming little member of the tribe. So you know, I feel like Zuckerberg. I mean, this. I guess we'll close it out on this, this SBF take, but like Zuckerberg was kind of the prototype of like. He just was this little nerdy pipsqueak, and then he got really rich and was like, well, I'm just going to keep wearing a hoodie and being a little pipsqueak. Mm-hmm. And then and then the next iteration of that was Sam Bakeman Freed being like, actually, I'm going to be a little pipsqueak in a hoodie on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like Zuckerberg unleashed the floodgates. Yeah. To hit. For for now, the SBFs of the world get to be like, actually, it's an alpha move <laughs> for me to be a stinky nerd yeah. who doesn't it's shower like or wear deodorant. Antisocial. I don't listen to people when I have meetings where I ask them for millions of dollars. Like, well, 
If you're listening, Sam, I bet. Honestly, I bet he's getting absolutely ripped in jail. <laughs> and he's not in jail he's yet, not, but he's not going to go to jail. You don't think so? He might go bankrupt, but I mean, when was the last time you saw a billionaire in jail? Freaking Lizzie, Lizzie Ho Ho, Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> Lizzie Ho Ho. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> Epstein, you know, didn't last long, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, my other, my other little take on on SBF is doesn't he kind of seem like the kind of like rich nerdy guy that like he genuinely only got rich because he's such a nerd and he like likes to watch the numbers go up yeah apparently he, you know yeah. what i mean yeah no i know exactly what you mean like he's not driving around a fancy car he just is like he's i'm just like look at the fucking i'm like smarter than everyone i'm like this is proof that's how he wins that you know? is how he wins I mean, honestly, like, the timing is pretty good. Like, I think him and Howard Ratner probably share more than either would probably care to admit. Oh, yeah. I don't think they would get along, but <laughs> if they had to, they'd be two peas in a pod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I think that does it, folks. Yeah. Um, we miss you, Ioni. I mean, come back. Come back. Come back. Come <clears> back. <throat> Plus, Adam Sandler will make another right. good movie in 15 years, so, like, you don't even have to worry about us talking about another one for a long time. Mm, we could do a crazy night. Well, I guess we already passed. I guess it'll be, it'll be Hanukkah mm-hmm. by the time this comes yeah, out. True. So happy, happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah. You'll, get eight, you'll get eight crazy nights next year. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, like and subscribe and, you know, uh, don't spend other people's money on big bets. Oh, wait. Also, I, I didn't – we never made this point, but, like, this movie is just – Howard Ratner doing smiteable deeds <laughs> for an hour for a hundred minutes and then getting smited. That's a, so honestly, yeah, like yeah, he just does egregiously smiteable things back to back. It to is back like back a biblical back. story of like you know he found some cursed stone and then he, he, he yeah. got struck down. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so sorry, Howie, you got smited. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the show. Mm-hmm.